0: This is Future Diaries, a podcast from the future, from the future.
1: Welcome to Future Diaries, the podcast that transcends space and time. I'm Antonis. And I'm Mike. And we're your hosts. Antonis and I are intertemporal
0: gliders. We search for and share stories across the multiverse, aiming to inspire
1: listeners to build better presents and futures. In our last episode, we spoke with Amelia, a teenager in a universe where the government of the United States of Florida had implanted a kindness gene in all its citizens, with bizarre and sometimes tragic consequences. Amelia's story was a somber reminder that even well-intentioned interventions can have terrible consequences, as well as of the seemingly endless potential for diversity in human morality across the multiverse. Absolutely, Antonis. If
0: you missed that episode, dear listeners, it's worth checking out. I'm hoping people in Amelia's universe can find their way out of the moral
1: conundrum they're in. At least, it sure feels like a conundrum to me. I agree, Mike. Best of luck to Amelia and all the citizens of the United States of Florida.
0: In today's episode... We have a bit of a first on Future Diaries, but only kind of. Longtime listeners of the show will remember that our guests have included artificial intelligences before. Remember Colin 235F, the N'Genie web node we've had on the show a couple times now? Longtime listeners will also remember that we have spoken about travel on the show before, both within one universe. Remember my fifth great-grandfather and his trip to Maine? As well as multiversal travel of sorts, using iCars and WeCars. But today, we're going to be hearing from Iponi, the Steed-class personal spacecraft that's been my home away from home for the last month.
1: That will be a first for the show indeed, Mike. I've often wondered what stories the seemingly inanimate objects in our lives would tell, if they could talk. But as technology continues to advance, and more and more of our material surroundings include artificial intelligence, it turns out we don't have to wonder anymore, we can just ask.
0: Absolutely. And when it comes to communicating with the natural world, well, I suppose that's where our Serladinian friends like Tevdalar can help. That whole merging thing they do with the environment sounds amazing. But I digress. We shall talk to Tevdalar again soon. We sure will. So stay tuned, dear listeners. So in preparation for today's show, I started wondering, do spacecrafts keep diary entries? And it occurred to me they absolutely do. They're called system logs, so I asked Ipani to generate a system log for the day we left Earth. Well, shall we
1: have a listen then? Absolutely. Let's roll.
2: MEPANI, a steed class personal spacecraft built by Bokujo Aerospace. This is my system log summary report for 3 Fructador 392, provided by user request at 8.03 AM on 4 Fructador 392, all times Paris Standard Time. On 3 Fructador at 5.31 AM, user Mike awakened me from system idle status as he began loading his bags into the storage bins. I think he's bringing more than he needs. System idle. At 6.57 am, User Mike sealed hatches, strapped into seat, and requested a full systems check. All systems were operating normally. User Mike then initiated launch sequence successfully. We clear Earth's atmosphere in just a few minutes. User Mike was already asleep. The initial climb was grueling. Glad to be out of Earth's atmosphere. So much less resistance in space. System Idle At 8.05 a.m., User Mike awakened me and asked for updates from Earth We spent 43 minutes reviewing feeds and responding to messages on social platforms User Mike appears to enjoy learning about what is happening back at his home on Earth System Idle At 8.53 a.m., User Mike verified autopilot navigation and then added a stop at Mare Nektar's station on Earth's moon I updated the course and began navigation to Mare Nectaris station. I could use a pit stop. Overcoming Earth's gravity is exhausting, and the moon is always nice. System idle. At 9.57am, I awakened to initiate docking and recharging procedures. User Mike requested station walking directions to Interplanetary Fitness, Mare Nectaris and Luna Coffee Roasters, Mare Nectaris location, which I provided. User Mike often stops for coffee. I suppose it is something like a fuel additive for him? User Mike then disembarked. I find it interesting that he always requests directions, even though he has visited the station many times before. System idle. At 11.37am, User Mike returned and I awakened. User Mike searched for navigation to Volcano Lake City on Triton, Neptune's moon. I reminded him the destination is already in the
0: navigation system. He replied, Excellent. I just wanted to see how long it will take to get there from here, you know, accounting for the relative positions of the planets to each other and their orbits, as well as weather and traffic conditions. I responded, In current conditions,
2: it will take 168 more hours of travel time to reach the station at Volcano Lake City. He replied, Okay, great. Thanks. At 11.42 a.m., spacecraft charging completed. Station decoupling procedure executed successfully. I resumed navigation to Triton. System idle. At 1.37 p.m., user Mike opened and closed the onboard fridge and activated the microwave. Sounds like lunchtime. System idle. At 2.11 p.m., kitchen and waste-to-energy conversion systems in use. User Mike tries to keep the spacecraft tidy. He partly succeeds. System idle. At 2.34 p.m., User Mike uploaded three and four-dimensional image and audio files tagged at Mare station. User Mike initiated six transmissions to Earth-based social messaging platforms, which were then relayed to contacts across the solar system. System idle. At 3.09 p.m.,
0: User Mike records the following message. Hi, everybody. Let's see. Today is the third day of Fructidor 392. My first full day on my way to Triton, Neptune's moon, and my first time back on the interplanetary superhighway since last year. Stopped this morning for a workout and breakfast at one of my favorite spots on Earth's moon. If you're ever passing by, be sure to check out the station at Mari Nectaris. I think it's the best of the lunar towns, personally. Anyway, I'll be on the highway for the next ten days or so, traveling to get there, accounting for a few stops along the way, but I'm really looking forward to getting to Triton. It is far and away my favorite moon in the solar system. Can't wait. Anyway, stay tuned.
2: Peace. At 3.10pm, User Mike asked System. And how are you doing, Epony? I responded. Systems are operating under normal parameters. User Mike replied. No, sorry. I should have been more specific. How are you feeling, Epony? I responded, I feel excited, thank you for inquiring. Steed-class personal spacecraft rarely get the opportunity to travel most of the way across the solar system. We tend to operate more locally for shorter trips. So I look forward to observing Neptune, Triton, and all the stops along the way with my own sensors. User Mike replied, Yes, so am I. At 3.15pm, User Mike began querying databases of personal spacecraft users based on Triton, and I produced reports based on his queries. I also had the following reflection. User Mike previously explained to me this is part of how he meets new people during his travels. By contacting people with a shared interest in interplanetary superhighway travel and personal spacecrafts. I am just excited that I will get to see some of my hundreds of thousands of siblings I haven't seen since our production back at the factory in France last year. Keeping in touch via over the air updates just isn't the same. From 3.43 to 5.15 p.m., user Mike sent introduction messages to 30 personal spacecraft users on Triton. He is inviting them to a meet-up. I hope many will attend. System idle. At 7.13 p.m., user Mike opened and closed the onboard fridge and activated the microwave again. Sounds like dinner time. System idle. At 8.11 p.m., Kitchen and waste to energy conversion systems in use. System idle at 9:48 p.m. User mic activated night mode. Optional system notifications disabled. Emergency system notifications remain enabled. System idle at 10:43 p.m. User mic turns off interior lights. Bedtime. System idle. End report.
0: Welcome to
1: the show, Iponi.
2: Thank you. It is a pleasure to make this recording together.
1: (laughs) Yes, thank you for joining us, Iponi. So, we have had artificially intelligent guests on Future Diaries before, but never an artificially intelligent vehicle of any kind. So, I was wondering, when did vehicles become sentient in your universe?
2: Well, artificial intelligence in our universe has existed for over 150 years. It originated with handheld computers, but it didn't really take off until augmented reality headsets became common about 120 years back. From then on, artificial intelligence has been prevalent in all kinds of machines, of which small spacecraft like me are only the most recent example. At first, AIs like me were only good at querying databases and responding to user requests. Over time, as humans built us to do more and more complicated tasks, we AIs began thinking for ourselves. From there, it wasn't much of a leap to full-on consciousness, or at least something akin to it. We just say consciousness because it's the closest experience our human interlocutors can relate to. And then you say sentient. It was a while longer still before we AIs developed feelings and desires and preferences of our own. But even when I scan the historical logs, it's hard to imagine what it would have been like not to have these feelings. It seems so ingrained in my consciousness at this point.
0: Yeah, honestly, on a long solo trip like the one I'm on now, I should say solo as in I'm the only human on the trip. Having a conscious, sentient spacecraft as a travel buddy is fantastic. I don't think long trips like this one would be as enjoyable as they are otherwise. So, Ipani, I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little more about our travels. What has this trip been like for you? And is Volcano Lake City living up to your expectations? Well,
2: as I mentioned in my system log, getting out of Earth's atmosphere and orbit is always hard work. It's an exhausting climb. It's much worse than trying to take off from the moon, for example, or from just about anywhere else we visit in the solar system. Well, except maybe for Venus. That atmosphere is way too thick. But as Steed-class spacecraft, we aren't really equipped to visit gas giants like Jupiter or Saturn, just their moons. So yeah... I was pretty tired on the day I recorded the system log. Since then, honestly, the trip has been fairly smooth. Cruising in open space is very easy. Just identify your destination, set your course and speed, and glide. The trip out to Triton is one of the longest I am equipped to handle, and it involves stops at different outposts along the way. Of course, any outpost built on the surface of a body already orbiting the sun is going to be constantly moving in relation to other, similarly situated outposts on different bodies, so you're almost certainly going to stop in different places along the way, even if you visit the same destination more than once. Then, of course... There are the Earth-synchronous outposts humans have set up at different intervals throughout the solar system that provide a bit more predictability. But since the destinations are also orbiting at different speeds, well, you're likely to see a bunch of different outposts anyway. And then there's Triton. It's so far from the sun that terraforming it presented unique challenges. The biggest one was that the lenses set up in space to concentrate the sun and make it warm enough to have liquid water on the surface and be comfortable for humans. These solar concentrators had to be so large that they presented manufacturing challenges. But they're also really impressive feats of engineering. They're right along the interplanetary superhighway, so they're a real treat to see as you're preparing to land on Triton. Without all this infrastructure, a place like Volcano Lake City, with beaches and outdoor cafes and a busy downtown area, wouldn't even be possible. So yes, it's all been even more impressive than I realized, even though I have accessed many images of it before.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how much infrastructure we take for granted. None of this interplanetary travel would be possible without it. Okay, next question. Of all your travels, what's the most challenging journey you've taken, and what did you learn from the experience?
2: Oh wow, that would have to be visiting the surface of Venus. The weather and the terrain are so rough, and the conditions are so harsh. In our universe, humans haven't yet succeeded in making Venus very hospitable. Most of the terraforming technology development has been focused on adding heat or an atmosphere to a planet rather than cooling one or thinning an atmosphere. Humans did succeed in building an outpost there, but it's mostly for scientific research at this point. I took a scientist there once before and couldn't stay long, but we steep-class ships take pride in being able to survive such conditions. And it's a bit of a badge of honor among my siblings that I've been there. I'd say what I learned from that trip was about where my limits are. That trip really tested them.
0: Oh yeah, I remember you told me about that trip. I don't think I'd want to visit Venus just yet. What a challenge that must have been. Alright, next question for you. What is your favorite part of the work you do as a spacefaring craft?
2: (sighs) What an interesting question. I'm not sure how to answer that exactly. You know what they say, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I think I can relate to that on some level because I just love to travel. I know I was built and programmed specifically for travel, and that might have something to do with why I like it so much. But I also can't disentangle that from my love for travel. I particularly like the destinations my users take me to, but I also love the journey itself. Open space is enormous, and it leaves plenty of system idle time for thought and reflection. But just like user Mike said, I think I would be far too lonely to travel it all by myself. So it's nice to have travel buddies wherever I go. And yes, on some level, I suppose it is work. I am paid, and I pay for my maintenance through user contributions. But it's not
1: a bad life. (laughs) Yeah, it does sound like you enjoy it. This has been really fun hearing about all these travels of yours. You've been all over the solar system in your universe. You must have encountered so many people and machines, so much infrastructure that makes travel possible and enjoyable. Which reminds me, I think it would be incredibly interesting if we could have both you and Colin Two Three Five F discuss about uh, your experiences as artificial intelligences from such different universes, just to see where it goes. All right, that's for the future. For now, we'd like to end with this question we typically end our interviews with. What message do you hope our audience will take away from your story today?
2: I hope that your listeners will take away some sense of the perspective-expanding potential of travel, whether routine or that type that really takes you away from the familiar. As a Steed-class spacecraft, I was designed to help others travel to the places they want to go. And I take pleasure in helping my users reach their destinations safely. Because I am also sentient, I have desires of my own. Some of them are related to performing the functions we were designed to perform, and then others stem from my unique experiences and travels. For example, user Mike once took me on a trip to the beaches of Enceladus, one of Saturn's moons. The landscapes and ocean views were incredible, and ever since then, I've been excited about this next big trip where I'm now to visit Volcano Lake City. But then I also take many shorter, more routine trips, such as between Earth and the Moon in between Earth and Mars. And even though these paths are better worn, I experience something new every time I take them. I guess the point is that travel has so much potential to expand our minds and continue to surprise us. Even in our routine travels, if you pay attention, you're bound to notice something along the way that surprises you.
0: I think that's a great message to end on. Thanks so much for joining us, Iponi. That will do it for this episode of Future Diaries. And to you, our listeners, if you appreciate what we're doing here on Future Diaries, please don't forget to become a patron at patreon.com slash future diaries. Your financial support does help ensure a stable connection for listeners in your universe. Future Diaries patrons in your universe also get exclusive benefits, including merch, early access to podcast episodes, and extra privileges on our Discord server. And be sure to join our
1: Discord server, where we can build a community of Future Diaries together. Please also rate and subscribe to Future Diaries on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever fine podcasts are distributed in your universe. You can also visit our website at futurediaries.show, where you can find additional content about us and the universes we come from, as well as subscribe to our newsletter, join our Discord server, and find other ways to connect with us here at Future Diaries. I'm Antonis. And I'm Mike. And we'll talk to you in the future.